Hello, welcome to the Xamarin Podcast. I'm Pierce Bogan, and I'm joined by Xamarin Developer Evangelist, Mike James. Mike, how are you doing today? Um, I'm doing really well, thanks, Pierce. And how are you today? You know, I'm doing pretty well. Uh, I'm sitting in a hammock right now as I record the podcast, so probably one of the more unusual podcast recording spots. Uh, but I'm doing well. You're, you're sat in a hammock. Yeah, I'm up in a tree right now as I record the Xamarin Podcast. Very there unique. There we go. The, the, the marvels of modern technology. That's right. It's been a while since we had a Xamarin podcast. And the listeners may be, well, I'll forgive them for thinking I'm Chris Hardy. I'm not. I am an English Xamarin employee, as Pierre said, Mike James instead. Chris was on the, the previous Xamarin podcast and, you know, a whole new cast for this season. But you'll know Pierce from the last one. Um, but a lot's changed in the last 12 months in his life. So why don't we hear about what's new? Yeah, well, around, around this time, I guess last year in, in 2014, um, I got hired as Xamarin's first uh, developer evangelism intern. So that was pretty big. And you can actually find that post on the Xamarin blog or if you check the show notes, I'm sure it'll be there. Um, so that was a big change for me. I had been working with Chris on the support team. Um, so I made the switch over to evangelism. I've been loving it. Um, a lot, of, a lot has been going on in the last year. I actually graduate this next week, so that's pretty crazy. Um, I'll actually be joining Xamarin full-time in September, so I'm pretty pumped about that. Um, but, I mean, I can't complain. Xamarin's going great. Xamarin 3 launched in the last year since the last podcast. We had some announcements at Xamarin Evolve. And then recently, we also had some exciting announcements at .NET Conf and Build as well this year. So it's been a busy year in Xamarin development. Um, I figured with all the new announcements, it'd probably be a good time to get back to the podcast, especially since I work on the evangelism team now. Um, and now that Chris is really busy with all the support stuff, so like you said, I might as well bring on another Brit, so I brought you on. And thank you for that. So that's been what's going on with me the last year. What about you, Mike? It's been an interesting year for me. I switched from the support team, so Chris's team, over to the evangelism team. That makes two of us. Uh, I think it's a natural progression, I, th I think. So I've spent an awful lot of this year traveling around Europe. So sitting on planes, uh, sitting at airports, writing sample code. And you wouldn't believe how, how many sample apps you can write when you've got poor internet. But yeah, so I've had the opportunity to go and speak at conferences and at user groups, um, you know, talking to passionate people about technology that I absolutely love, which is, you know, cross-platform, C-sharp. So I feel really privileged for that. And now I get to talk to people on the podcast about C Sharp. So I get to, you know, expand out of Europe and talk to people all around the world about something that I absolutely love. So I'm super excited to be part of the podcast. So thanks, Piers, for inviting me on. No problem. If you are a seasoned Xamarin Podcast listener, and by seasoned, <laughs> you haven't listened in a year, but that's okay. Um... You know that the old format of the show used to be, you know, we'll have a few links. We'll have, you know, kind of what's going on in Xamarin this week, uh, what the community has been producing, some cool blog posts, cool announcements, that sort of thing. Just things going on in general in .NET and C Sharp land. The podcast format is going to change a bit uh, with season two, episode one and moving forward of the, of the Xamarin podcast. But we still want to stay up to date with what's going on in Xamarin. So, like, for example, like we might, you know, have a conversation um, about what's going on this week in Xamarin, and then we might talk about traditional Xamarin development versus development with Xamarin Forms. So we might have a conversation like that. So like, the problem with the, with the old podcast format was that 
you know, the content wasn't very evergreen. If you listen three months down the road, sure, you might get a few things out of it, but for the most part, it's outdated. Um, the, the, the value of this new format is we can do This Week in Xamarin. You can get all the latest Xamarin announcements and news. And then we can also have some sort of discussion that, you know, maybe a year down the road, you remember something and you want to go back and listen to it. You know, you, know, you say, hey, uh, what was that cool thing they announced at Build? And you can go back and, you know, listen to the podcast. So I think this new podcast format is going to be really beneficial, um, both to you guys and, like, in, just in general. Um, so with that, I'm going to introduce our new segment, This Week in Xamarin. So Xamarin passes one million developers. So that's a million people. Kind of people. a big deal. It's a huge deal. A million developers out there are writing cross-platform mobile apps with C Sharp. Well, you know what? Now we have to w we have to wait for a billion. That's the next big milestone. So it might be a billion. Tough, a billion might be tough, considering that's like what a seventh of the world population. But you know, you have to have goals in life. So you know, maybe we'll get yeah. there someday. Over the past four years, Xamarin's made some major strides. Um, the product used to actually be called MonoTouch and MonoDroid. Um, which is now Xamarin.iOS and Xamarin.Android, so that's pretty crazy. And there's all these other announcements, like all the stuff that ha that's happened in the last year, all the stuff before that, Xamarin Studio, Xamarin 3, Xamarin Forms, all that stuff. If you want to go to Xamarin.com forward slash timeline, which we'll also throw in the show notes, you can see everything that's happened the last four years, and you can see the progression of the Xamarin story arc, which is pretty awesome to see. And now, you know, we, add, we can add another bullet, one million developers. Maybe like next year, if we have like ridiculous growth, I can add one billion developers. We'll just have to see. Yeah, I think one billion is uh, de definitely setting a really high stretch goal there. Um, we'll see. We'll see. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. <laughs> Fingers crossed. One of the cool tools that Xamarin has a lot. Uh, one of the cool tools that Xamarin has released in the last year has been Xamarin Forms, and that was released around this time last year with with the announcement of Xamarin Three. Originally, this allowed you to build um, native iOS, Android, and Windows phone apps from a single shared code base, which is pretty awesome. You could write your UIs in C Sharp, XAML. You know, there was a lot of there was some MVVM thrown in there. I mean, Xamarin Forms was awesome before. Um, a few weeks ago at .NET Conf, Xamarin Forms for Windows 8.1 and Windows Phone 8.1 was also announced as a preview. Um, so that's pretty awesome. So before you could you know write an app. Um, and you know you have it on three platforms, and now you can add Windows 8.1 to that, which is really really cool. Um, and so with the announcements at Build, uh, the Xamarin Forms for Windows 8.1 um, is now out of preview. So that's awesome. So now you can build awesome uh, cross-platform native apps in C Sharp uh, with Xamarin Forms for iOS, Android, Windows Phone, and Windows 8.1. So that's pretty cool. And if you're already using Xamarin Forms and your experience is historically with WPF or Silverlight or even Windows Phone, you're probably using XAML. Now, historically, if you wanted to have code completion with XAML in Visual Studio using Xamarin Forms, you would have to grab an extension uh, and get that installed in order for it to work. Um, but we're pleased to announce that we've released code completion with XAML built into our uh, Xamarin tools for Visual Studio. So no more do you have to go and grab extensions to make it just work. Uh, you know, as soon as you've got that installed, you're ready to go. So you can start writing Xamarin and get all of that IntelliSense goodness that we all know and love within Visual Studio. Yeah, and I mean, Xamarin Forms obviously already allows you to be super productive as a developer because you're writing code and it's, you know, being published to three platforms natively. So that's pretty awesome. 
But you know, now you have code completion when you're writing your UI, which obviously is amazing. Um, and I know a lot of people didn't even know there was an extension. So now, you know, by default, when you download um, Xamarin, when you download Xamarin for Visual Studio, uh, you'll see that Xamarin forms XAML code completion in there. You know, by default, which is pretty awesome. If you've been in the Xamarin ecosystem for a while. You may know that we're big fans of Azure Mobile Services, um, so you can do some pretty awesome stuff with your backend really easily via the Azure Mobile Services component in the Xamarin Component Store. If you wanted to store things like blobs, however, historically it had been kind of tough uh, until this last week um, when Azure, uh, which was actually one of the one of the headlines of, of the Build Conference, um, made some exciting new announcements. One of which was Azure Storage PCL support. So if you want to you know, do stuff with blobs, so for example, if you're saving images, uh, very large text, um, you can even do stuff like tables and queues um, using Azure Storage. That's all now wrapped up in the Azure Storage NuGet, um, which comes as a pickle, or a PCL, as Miguel likes to call it, of course, of course. And to get that, uh, you have to make sure you're, you know, you, if you're using Xamarin Studio, you check the include pre-release when you're searching for the NuGet package. But if you just search for Azure Storage, it should be Azure Storage 4.4 um, forward uh, dash preview, and you can get all the awesome bits of Azure Storage in your application as well. So obviously, lots of power. You know, if you're already using Azure Mobile Services and you know you want to add, you know, maybe storage for images or large blobs of text. Just grab the Azure Storage PCL, which now has Xamarin support, and you have it in minutes. So that's pretty awesome. Um, something else that's exciting this week, and you know, I'm really excited about this, is enhanced WatchKit support for Visual Studio. And the reason I'm really excited about this is because I'm waiting for my WatchKit to be delivered. Like thousands, and maybe even millions of other people, I went ahead and ordered the, uh, the, the Black Sport model which seems to be one of the most popular ones to buy. With every week that I don't have the physical watch, we're improving our Visual Studio support for it. So by the time the watch arrives, I'm gonna have an amazing app built that I'll have tested in the simulator uh, endlessly, and I'll be able to deploy straight to, to the watch and see uh, exactly how awesome my Xamarin app looks on the uh, physical device. Um, so if you're developing for Apple Watch at the moment, do go and check out uh, the latest releases because of Xamarin because we've got that uh, improved support uh, with storyboard integrations and you can now drag controls around uh, and do resizing and things. It's all, uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty damn perfect. I mean, it's a great time to be a C-sharp developer, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, you got... You can build for all the mobile platforms. You can build for things like Netduino. You can deploy to the web. You can build stuff for the watch. Like there's literally almost nothing you can not do with C Sharp. It's like probably the best time ever. To, uh, C Sharp can do everything. I'm going to go ahead and say it. If I have problems in my life, C Sharp can solve it. James, early in the podcast, we mentioned James Montemagno, who is a Xamarin developer evangelist. If you've been to any talk pr pretty much ever on Xamarin, it was probably James giving it. Um, and at Build, which we've been talking a lot about, he gave an intro to mobile development with C-Sharp talk uh, with Miguel and DeCaza, who is the CTO of Xamarin. Um, and they got up on stage and debuted this cool app called Kinder Chat, which is a Shakir chat program for helicopter parents. And I laugh because I have absolutely no idea what helicopter parents are. But in all seriousness, uh, Kinder Chat's a pretty cool app. Um, it's a really good example app. So it's all open source. Obviously, all .NET C Sharp has an Azure backend. 
So that's pretty cool. We mentioned, you know, Azure Mobile Services, Azure Storage earlier. And it's built with Xamarin.iOS and Xamarin.Android. Um, so you can get all these bits online, all open source. Um, and we'll put the link in the show notes. So if you've ever built uh, a mobile app, you're going to know that that iteration process, when you want to make those tiny minute changes to the UI, can be really quite slow. So you can waste hours when you add up the total time over a week just waiting for you know to rebuild and redeploy just to move you know labels around by a couple of pixels at a time to get the exact positioning that you want and this tool solves that problem for you so not only do you get a 3d exploded view of your view hierarchy so you can see exactly how everything is laid out on the device so if you've got um, you know a, an image that's partially covered you can see exactly what's going to be covering that um, but you've also got a REPL so you can type in c-sharp code and interact with the app live so you can start shifting uh, you know controls around start changing their properties so that you're not spending endless amounts of time redeploying the app to the to the simulator or to the device and this inspector works with WPF, Android, iOS, and the Mac. And so it can actually inspect itself, which I absolutely love. So that was this week in Xamarin, but there's been a lot of developments within the wider .NET world because we've just had the build conference. So why don't we talk a little bit about some of the cool announcements that we saw at build. But before we jump into kind of the announcements, I just want to say about the HoloLens. Because this is a product that Microsoft kind of showed off a little while ago and everyone was amazed by it. Like, this is pretty interesting technology. Um, you know, some saying groundbreaking and it's, it definitely is. Um, and I was very excited about that. But I was, I, I had some trepidation, you know. No one other than Microsoft had put on a pair of uh, HoloLens, HoloLenses or HoloLens uh, yet. So, you know, it was just, we had seen the marketing spiel. So I was curious to see how other people were, you know, normal people that aren't working for Microsoft think of the technology after they've tried it. And so far, the response from people at, at Build that got to try them on has been overwhelmingly positive. So I'm really excited about this. And the reason I'm really excited about this is I live in rented accommodation. So I've got all these lovely white walls that my landlord doesn't want me hanging pictures on. So if I go and hang a picture up, you know, I'm going to lose my security deposit because when I move out, the hole's in the wall and I'll have to fill that and then repaint the wall. Um, so if I've got HoloLens, I can digitalize all of my paintings and all of my family photos and all of those things that I would like to hang on the wall. And I can just walk around my big empty white box with HoloLens on and it kind of makes my, my house seem a bit more homely. Um, you know, there, there is an argument there that, you know, perhaps landlords shouldn't be so strict on uh, what we can do with the walls. Uh, but, you know, I can fix that with technology. So I'm really excited about that. But we should probably talk about, you know, the announcements that are more related to .NET developers and, you know, people that are trying to do cross-platform. So why don't we start with Project Astoria? Now, I think that's a really cool name. Fabulous name. You know, I don't actually know what it means. Um, maybe I'm going to go ahead and Google this. I'm going to find out Astoria. Because it's a great, it's a great, great word. Maybe they just got one of those, like, random project name generators, and that's how they came up with it. 
That's how that's how a multi-billion dollar multinational corporation like Microsoft comes up with ideas, product name ideas, just some sort of generator. Okay, so Google comes back with that it's a it's a place in the U.S. Hmm. So I you know I don't feel too bad now that I don't or I haven't heard of Astoria before. If you live in Astoria, apologies. You know you can definitely send me a postcard, uh, drop me a a tweet on Twitter, and uh. <laughs> I'd gladly receive a postcard from Astoria. The more you know. The general premise of the technology is that you can take your existing Java code that you've built for Android, and you can run this on Windows Windows 10. So obviously, you know, Windows 10 is going to be running on the desktop as well as the phone because they've got this, you know, universal story. Um, now, what I find really interesting about this is it's, you know... First of all, the technology behind it. So what I find really interesting about this is the technology behind it. So obviously a lot of Google apps, or sorry, a lot of Android apps that are running you know, on, on Google Android, they use Google services. But Microsoft have made it really easy to go ahead and replace those services, so like you know, Google Play services, with the Microsoft services. So if you're using Google Maps, then boom, you've got you know, Bing Maps on uh, Windows 10. So that that's pretty interesting. Um, and on top of that, what they've done as well is they realise that you know these Android experiences need to be slightly tweaked for Windows Ten. For example, with the share screen, when you share with your app built for Windows 10 in Java, I say built for Windows 10, it's built for Android, but now it's running on Windows 10. When you go and try and share something, it's going to show you the proper Windows 10 share screen. So they've done a bit of tweaking there and some magic, um, which is pretty interesting. And again, a bit like the HoloLens, I've seen the marketing for it, but I've not seen this in real life. And I've got, again, some trepidation about how this is actually going to work in reality. Because taking an app that's been designed for Android and running it on Windows 10, well, what's that experience going to be like for the end user? Is it going to feel natural? Is it going to feel like this is an app that, you know, someone has really crafted and spent time to create a wonderful experience? Or, or are they just going down the route of, you know, getting some you know, less than first-class mobile experiences in order to up their app count. So I under, I understand why Microsoft have, have decided to go down this option because, you know, there's been this chicken and egg situation for a while when it comes to, you know, their mobile platforms. Um, simply because, you know, users aren't migrating to the platform en masse because there's a lack of apps. And developers aren't rushing to the platform because, you know, there's a lack of users. So this is very much a chicken and egg situation. And maybe Project Astoria, as well as Project Islandwood, which we'll cover in a moment, are ways for Microsoft to kind of help that uh, help that app story so that there's are, there are more apps. And then in turn, users will uh, perhaps flock to the platform. Yeah, no, I totally agree. So it definitely looks super interesting. Because like Microsoft, like you said, you know, uh, developers don't want to be on the platform um, because there's not enough users. But you, you, users don't really want to go to the platform because or switch over from Android or iOS or whatever because there's no apps. 
Um, and Apple kind of circumvented this problem because there was no concept of an app store at the time, so they kind of got away with it. Um, and then Android just came along as like an alternative platform launched by Google, so everyone's like, cool, I guess we have to have an alternative for everything. And then Windows Phone kind of got in there, maybe a little too late. So, um, yeah, this is like a super interesting attempt by Microsoft to try and get apps over into the you know, the Windows uh, Phone Store and Windows Store. Yeah, I think, you know, this could work really well for Microsoft, um, assuming that these developers do go ahead and move these Android apps over to Windows 10. And they take, they take a bit of, you know, care over it. And they're not just bringing it over without any thought about this new platform. Um, but, on you know, on the other side of Project Astoria, we've got Project Islandwood, which, you know, this allows... Objective-C apps to come over to Windows 10 and this is really interesting so literally you can take existing Xcode projects launch them in Visual Studio make some minimal changes to your Objective-C and then boom you've got a Windows app and this is actually how they got Candy Crush onto the Windows Store and um, so that's an Objective-C app running on Windows 10 so this is pretty this is pretty interesting um, and, you know, when I think about this kind of Java and Objective-C for Windows 10 now, it's an interesting approach because it's not, it's not cross-platform development by any stretch of the imagination, but you are running your app across multiple platforms from one language. So, it, you know, it kind of is, but it, but it definitely isn't because this isn't designed so that, you know, I want to write an app and I want to target iOS and... I want to target Windows Phone, no sane person is going to start writing that in Objective-C. That's just not the right, it's not the right approach. You know, this is designed to be something for existing iOS applications to be brought over to Windows 10, rather than being, you know, the cross-platform solution for, for mobile development. Because obviously, you know, you write it in Java, you can bring it over to Windows 10 now, but you're never going to run Java on an iPhone. And, you know, if you write it in Objective-C, you're not going to be running that Objective-C on Android. So you're not able to hit all of the targets from each of these uh, technologies. It's just for those existing apps that you've already built in Java, or you've already built in iOS. Microsoft really wants those on Windows 10. And in addition to everything you just mentioned, you know, about it not really being like a true cross-platform solution, from the project page, you know that you're going to be able to possibly bring over your, you know, obje existing Objective-C or Java app that maybe you didn't intend ever to be on Windows, but just because it's such a minimal amount of effort to get it on Windows, um, you're going to do it anyways. So we already know that's the case, but to be honest, like if you look at either the Project Astoria or Project Islandwood pages, there's not like a ton of information on like how exactly this is going to work, like what happens if I use some super specific platform features in my app, which, I mean, let's be honest, almost any app you're going to build is going to use something that's, that takes advantage of a lot of the, uh, you know, the native platform. So if I'm doing something that's super native on iOS and I try and make it run on Windows, what's going to happen? So there's just not a lot of information out right now. So yeah, definitely really interesting projects. Um, it could either, I think, turn out really well or really horrible for them, um, right? Because if it doesn't quite work like they intended, then they could just end up flooded with a whole bunch of apps um, that don't are buggy and don't quite work right. Uh, but if it works out great, you know, they solve their app problems. So um, it seems kind of like a huge attempt by them to, you know, make one final push and say, okay, let's try and get the Windows Store to be an actual thing. 
Um, and I don't know what will happen if this doesn't work. Uh, but yeah, definitely really cool. So something that's really exciting is the release of Visual Studio Code. So Visual Studio Code isn't like the full beast of Visual Studio that we know and love on Windows. Visual Studio Code is instead a code editor that you know is cross-platform, so it runs on Windows, OS X, and Linux. Now, if I think about just a, you know even just a few years ago, the the idea of a product being released from Microsoft that had the branding of you know Visual Studio, just a hint of the name. You know, designed to run for OS X, Linux, and Windows. So, you know, fully cross-platform. No one would have believed me. They would have thought, you know, this guy's, you know, this guy's crazy. But that's the reality of the Microsoft that we see today. You know, it shows their commitment to to all of the platforms. That they do this release, and on the same day that they're releasing for Windows, you're going to get the OS X and Linux version as well. So this is really quite awesome. Yeah, I totally agree. Like. Like you said, thinking back, you know, four or five years ago, if you had said, asked me to bet on if I thought Visual Studio or some portion of Visual Studio or the look and feel of Visual Studio would make their way onto, you know, OSX or possibly even Linux, I would have said you're crazy. So like you said, I mean, that's awesome. Microsoft commitment to all platforms and that cross-platform story. And like, I think it's important because it, it's not just people who love Microsoft who love that Visual Studio Code is now on the map. I've seen tons of people um, who aren't even really in the .NET community, never really liked Microsoft. Um, maybe they love an, a, you know Apple or Google way more. Maybe they just are completely agnostic when it comes to their company of choice that they're going to choose to unconditionally love, uh, which everyone seems to have a few. Um, but even them like even those sorts of people are, you know, coming around on Microsoft and Visual Studio Code's a great product. Like you said, like it's that code editor. It may not be like the complete Visual Studio product, but I think like when you develop, obviously like, you know, the language, the frameworks and the toolkits you choose to use make a big difference in terms of productivity. Um, but I think the environment you choose to work in, you know, on a day-to-day -day basis is also important. So if you're coming from that Windows background and you're coming from some sort of Visual Studio background, you know, maybe you're doing a little bit of iOS development, you hop, hop over to the Mac, you can still feel pretty comfortable because, you know, Visual Studio Code, it's going to have a lot of the same look. It has syntax highlighting snippets, and it even has maybe some features you wouldn't expect in a simple code editor, like Git integration and a debugger. Um, so I'm super pumped about it. And I know that uh, Miguel is too. He actually, uh, he actually pumped, huh? Miguel actually tweeted out a picture of iOS code in Visual Studio Code on the Mac, which is just mind-blowing. It's 2015, people. Get on board. Um, so speaking of Visual Studio, um, a new release candidate which we've, for Visual Studio, which we knew was coming for a long time for Visual Studio 2015, finally was announced. Woo! Um, and there's some pretty big announcements, you know, in general having to do with Visual Studio 2015 and the release candidates, but especially if you're a Xamarin developer. Uh, so, Mike, do you want to uh, talk about some of the new additions to Visual Studio 2015 that may pertain to someone who does Xamarin development or is interested in Xamarin development? Yeah, sure thing. Um, so, really, the biggest thing you're going to notice when you download Visual Studio 2015 is that Xamarin is baked in. So, no longer do you have to go to Xamarin.com uh, in order to go and grab you know, our installers to get started. 
you download Visual Studio 2015 and it's just there. Now what's really cool about this is, you know, historically if you wanted to do Xamarin development in Visual Studio, you would have to have the business or enterprise license. But now you can build apps for iOS and Android in C Sharp using Xamarin and Visual Studio entirely for free with the starter edition. So the starter edition, you know, it gives you full support for the storyboard designers and our Android designer and you can ship these apps to the App Store and you don't have to pay a penny. Now obviously there are some limitations with the starter edition, so we limit the size of the IL. Now historically that's been, I think it was 64,000 lines of IL, but you could still build some amazing applications with that. Um, so I built a step counter and James Montemagno ported it to Android, so I did the original iOS version. That's been downloaded over 30,000 times. You know, I did no marketing for this. Um, so, you know, you can build some pretty popular apps and that starts are compatible. In fact, you can grab a copy of the code if you go to xamarin.com forward slash starter. You'll find a list of all the existing starter projects, which, as I say, use this existing 64,000 lines of IL limitation. Well, with the, you know, Visual Studio 2015 and Xamarin Starter being included with that, we thought, you know what, we're going to increase this limit. So we've bumped that up to 128,000 lines of IL. So you can now create even more complex applications and get them into the App Store. So this is a great way to, you know, get started with Xamarin and learn the APIs and learn, you know, mobile development, but from C Sharp. Yeah, so like if, if you download or your friend downloads Visual Studio, the new Visual Studio 2015 release candidate and you're just, you know, randomly file new, you know, testing out the new IDE like we all do when we get new bits um, and you see Xamarin there and you're like, wait, I haven't installed Xamarin on this computer. Good news. It ships like with the release candidate now. So like you don't have to go through a separate installation process, which is huge. So when you download the release candidate, you can just go file new and you can build an Android or iOS app or even like something like WatchKit, like you said, uh, within Visual Studio. So that's pretty cool. And if you're building apps that have a less than 128K IL, then you can build uh, for free with the Xamarin Starter Edition. So it's a win-win. Um, well, I know I'm going to be going to xamarin.com forward slash starter and I'm going to take my step counter, which, I mean, I know you haven't done too much in the realm of marketing with my step counter, and you still managed 30,000 downloads, so I'm just going to rebrand it and ship my own version of my step counter. And yeah, that's something that anyone can actually go and do. They can go and grab these uh, these sample apps that we've built, and they can, you know, reskin them uh, and get them back into the App Store as their own, if that's what they want to do. Um you know, I didn't intend for anyone to do that, but if that's what, you know, someone wants to do with that code, then they are more than welcome. That wraps up an amazing week at Build, uh, filled with all sorts of announcements. Um, we talked a lot, about, a lot about them earlier in this week in Xamarin. So we talked a bit about James Montemagno and Miguel uh, Indicaz's session at Build, Introduction to Mobile Development with C Sharp, where they introduced Kinder Chat, which is a great, you know, open source .NET, Azure backend uh, app uh, that's a secure chat program for helicopter parents, which I found hilarious. Um, we talked a, a bit about the Xamarin Spectre, which was also announced during that session. And then we also talked about uh, HoloLens, how could we forget that, and Project Astoria and Islandwood, 
as well as Visual Studio Code and the Visual Studio 2015 release candidate. So it's been a big week in the .NET uh, world and C Sharp especially. Our intention is to have a new Xamarin podcast out, you know, every two weeks to a month, depending on, you know, how the news is going and what's been going on in the community. Um, but then again, you know, we could always go for the year-long hiatus again. Um, so maybe like we could do it for the next 10 years and only have 10, 10 episodes, but uh, that's okay. So yeah, but I do know that I can at least promise one more episode after this. Um, we'll be having James Montemagno on to talk about plugins for Xamarin, uh, Xam.plugins. And we will also discuss with all the major announcements, you know, in the Xamarin community over the last year, Xamarin Forms has blossomed into this awesome thing um, that allows you to write, you know, uh, an app that allows you to write uh, an app that's going to run on iOS, Android, and Windows Phone, and now even Windows Store uh, with a single shared C-sharp code base. So, like, there's a lot of momentum behind Xamarin Forms, and people have been wondering, hey, like, should I do classic, you know, traditional Xamarin development, or should I go Xamarin Forms? What approach is right for me? So we're going to tackle that next episode. James Montemagno, the amazing James Montemagno, will be on with us. Um, so we know we have a little bit of momentum, two episodes under our belt. And thanks for listening to this episode of the Xamarin Podcast. I'm Pierce Bogan. And I'm Mike James. 